This episode of For the Love with Jen Hatmaker is brought to you by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. They can be big, difficult, even scary life things, and also small inconveniences that add up day after day. The thing is, when we keep them all bottled up on the inside and just try to grin and bear it, it can start to affect us and the people around us negatively. We may even isolate ourselves, which makes it even worse. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. This was the case for me when I was at the highest stress level in my life, where the stress was even having physical consequences for me. Therapy was a huge part of my healing journey to learn how to manage the stress. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and it's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash for the love today and get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash for the love. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Hey, listeners. Oh, do I have a little sneak peek for you today. You might have seen this snazzy thing on my social media known as the For the Love Premium Podcast. This is a new thing we are doing and we are loving it. Gives you all kinds of goodies when you subscribe. You get like early access to the podcast episodes. You get no ads. And best of all, bonus content. And what I mean by that is bonus episodes that are only on the premium channel. And so we wanted to give everyone a chance to peek into what's going on over on the premium channel. Hey, this is an incredible conversation. And I'm delighted to have hosted this discussion in our little space. So you guys, be sure to subscribe to the Premium Pod to hear even more bonus content exactly like this. So right now, like so much is happening in real time in our world, obviously. And so obviously I've posted about almost all of these things on social media, but between like tragic situations. Like, I think I just want to hunker down with my people and bring in some wise, some measured voices to help us maybe in some cases understand what's at the core of each one, maybe help us process, think through what it is we can do in the wake of these events, gain some understanding of maybe different ways of thinking or different approaches or different perspectives that may serve to anchor us 
to comfort us even, to challenge us, to move us into action. Of course, that's, I'm always interested in that. You know, I, there is a moment to reflect and to process and to learn, to become educated, to listen. Those moments matter big time, especially around issues of injustice that affect marginalized communities that you may not be a part of. But there's also a time to move, right? There's a time to join. There is a time to kick it into gear. And I'm interested in that too. So today we are talking about obviously something literally we are all thinking about, not just this year, but for the last just decade in earnest. We're going to talk about guns today. And so let's just start here. Let's talk about maybe a few things we may all actually agree on, no matter what your entry point into this discussion is. This is just data-driven. The majority of us, the vast majority of, of us, believe some core things about guns in America, collectively. So according to Gallup, 73% of us, of all Americans, believe that law-abiding citizens have a right to own guns for recreational use or for self-protection. So we're in agreement on that. We also believe that there should be measures in place to ensure that those who do purchase guns are law-abiding and mentally healthy. Like, we really agree on this. In fact, 92% of Americans favor universal background checks on every single gun purchase. So in a lot of ways, we're we're not far off from some of the core tenets here around gun responsibility. Here's why that matters. According to the Sandy Hook Promise Foundation, since the federal government began to require them in 1994, background checks have prevented more than 3 million gun sales to individuals who were not legally permitted to own a gun, whether because of a felony, their age, or their mental health history. These purchasers failed a background check. So right now, Federal law only requires licensed gun dealers to run a background check on a buyer. But there are many avenues for purchasing a gun from an unlicensed dealer, which isn't illegal, whether at a gun show or on the internet. And none of these unlicensed dealers are required to run a background check on a buyer. In a 2017 study cited by the Giffords Law Center, 22% of guns purchased by individuals in the prior two years were done so without a background check. So this means millions of guns found their way to people's hands without any checks if that person was legally permitted to own a gun. And here's why that is important. Because according to another study cited by the Giffords Law Center, around 80% of all firearms that were acquired for criminal purposes were purchased from an unlicensed seller, 80%. That means 80% of all firearms used in crimes were done so by buyers who purchased a gun without a background check. So this loophole, as you can imagine, has deadly consequences on small and large scales. Of course, the shooting a few years back in West Texas in 2019, a gunman killed seven people and wounded 25. That gunman had been turned away by a licensed gun dealer after a background check, but was legally able to buy an assault rifle from an unlicensed seller. And an assault rifle, by the way, that was modeled after the M16 military rifle used in war, which we're going to talk about at length with my guest today. So you would think something that seems pretty common sense, just a background check. This is low-hanging fruit. 
a background check on every gun purchase, something that, by the way, the vast majority of us want, 92%, that that would be codified into law pretty quickly, but that has not been the case. There is a bill, you maybe have heard about it in the past few months, it's called HR8, and it requires universal background checks for all gun sales, right? But here's the thing, in great news, it passed through the House, which is wonderful. They gave the green light, but the Senate won't even put it up for a vote, okay? The Senate is in a partisan lockdown over this. And so it follows almost entirely along party lines and it won't even it won't even hit the floor. Here are a few more stats just to keep in mind before we jump into this conversation. According to the NIH, there's about 350 million guns in America. And according to the CDC in 2020, there were more than 45,000 firearm-related deaths in the country. And four in 10 of those deaths were homicide. Firearm deaths are the highest among teens and young adults between 18 and 34. And this is just sobering, but 86% of all firearms-related deaths were male. So here we are, right? Like, we think about these numbers. I know I've said it so many times, but other developed nations don't have a gun violence epidemic like we do. They don't. None of them do. If this is a uniquely American problem and worth noting because the objections are pretty predictable. This is not a gun problem. It's a heart problem. Guns don't kill people. People kill people. We need to fix the family. We need to fix mental health. And all of those things are true. But America is not uniquely mentally broken. Every single country has people with mental health problems. They have broken families. They have lonely kids. They have divorce. Zero of our stats suggest that we are any different in any of those categories than any other country. And yet, where we are different, the one line item, we are different, is in our lack of gun regulation, our absolute refusal to pass super common sense, low-hanging fruit gun responsibility bills. And we are the only ones with a gun crisis. It is the guns. It is the guns. We're going to talk about the guns today. I want you to know that I am wading through all of this data just like you. And also know this before, by the way, we jump into it. I am one of those people. I have no problem with responsible gun ownership. No way. Like I'm the daughter of a hunter. I was the wife of a hunter. I'm the mom and sister of hunters. Like I'm not one of those, like zero guns ever taken off. That's not even, I'm completely on board for responsible gun ownership. And I'm completely on board for this next generation of children to no longer have to do active shooter drills. So know this, the goal of this episode isn't to just prescribe my beliefs onto you. I, I do want you to know that and you will see far from it. Rather, I'd love for us to think through these issues in a calm, rational, reasonable way to educate ourselves in a place that's devoid of malice or judgment and that's willing to listen to one another. I do, of course, have opinions, but my overriding goal here is to wade into this sticky wicket with an open mind so we can decide how do we want to show up as responsible citizens and care for our families and neighbors the best we can. Guess what we all want? We all want to be able to send our kids to school in safety. We all want to go to the movie theater without worrying that a shooter is going to open up. No one wants a mass shooting at a church 
or a grocery store, right? We all went back there. So how can we rally around that together? So let's get into it. I have back to the show, Diana Ostrick, back on the show. So Diana's an activist. She's a self-proclaimed peace wager. You might remember her from her last appearance that Diana was a combat medic stationed in Iraq. And she shared her thoughts on waging peace after her experiences there. So she started the Waging Peace Project, which is a program absolutely committed to acts of courage for the sake of justice. She's so delightful. If you didn't hear our first episode, you will see in this one why we reached for her on this conversation. She and I are going to talk about some challenging and nuanced things. And she is such a trustworthy leader. She is full of hope. She is gentle in nature. She is a bridge builder and a connector. She's courageous and smart. And she has some really interesting history based on her time in the army that she brings to bear on this conversation. Maybe, at least for me, hearing some stuff in a new way that I've never heard of before. And so I think you're going to find this hopeful by and large, and challenging in a good way. And so I'm so happy to bring her to our premium community and can't wait to hear your response to this conversation, guys. So here's my conversation with activist and wager of peace, Diana Ostrick. Welcome back to the show. Last time we were doing this via Zoom from opposite top and bottom sides of the United States. And now you and I are here in Grand Marais together in real life. I love it here. Thank you. I'm in your homeland. And so you got in your little car and you zipped up to Grand Marais to do this in person. Thank you. And here we are Mm -hmm. looking at the lake together. You have found how wonderful Lady Lake Superior is. Yeah. She's worth all her hype. (laughs) I mean, really, like I was saying, I, I met some folks yesterday and they were like, we hope you'll come back. I'm like, oh, this is the kind of place where you do come back. Like, you don't come once, you know? Like, it gets in your bones. And I've met so many people here who are like, well, we came up once in 1978. And then we've been coming every summer since. I'm like, I get it. Like, I completely get it. It's great to be here, and I love it here. So let's jump in, because we're talking about a pretty big deal today. You know, a This is a monstrous conversation in the American vernacular right now, and it's fairly divided. There's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of defensiveness. And interestingly, though, the data suggests to us that we're actually in a pretty high degree of unanimity around what we want, what we're Mm -hmm. hoping for. So I think there's room here. There's room here to come together. But I want to talk about why you're here, because you have an interesting and a very specific perspective around the whole conversation involving gun regulation, gun responsibility as a former soldier. I was really intrigued by something you wrote on Instagram, and I'm going to read. After the Evaldi mass shooting, you said, as a soldier, I trained at 18 years old on an M16 rifle, a weapon for war. The AR-15 is the civilian equivalent. America's 18-year-old mass murders have caused more death in Buffalo and Texas using the AR-15 rifle than my entire battalion saw in 397 days deployment on the battlefield of the Iraq war. That's a really like profound thing to say. Can you talk through a couple of things? I'd like to know your training on a weapon like that you were a literal soldier 
and this is very much apples to apples. And then I would like to hear your thoughts on why a, a weapon of war, which the AR-15 is, is available in the United States, of course, this is not true of other developed countries, available for people like me, people like you, 18-year-olds. And so we have a comparable situation between a gun that was on the battlefield and a gun that is in our schools right now. And so many Americans are just going, why, 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 why? Can you talk us through this a little bit? Yeah, and I think that we're going to see that there is a gap here. Mm. And it's a disservice when we are trying to make decisions about mm. what our priority is right now and how do we act because everybody's ready for action. Yeah. And I believe that we are going to act and we are going to protect our kids and we still are going to have guns in society. This is our yeah. country and we are going to have guns. They are never going to go away. This is a value, but we also can act and we are going to protect our kids. Mm. And so we are going to move forward. We're mm -hmm. just going to move forward together. And so what I wanted to say is that when I was 18, mm -hmm. I joined the military. Mm -hmm. I joined a well-regulated militia. That's right. With a purpose. That's right. And so when I joined, the first two weeks of basic training is 14 days of arms training. Mm -hmm. And the M16, which is what the AR-15 is on the civilian version, mm -hmm. one soldier, one weapon. Not multiples, just one. And so for 14 days, for 12 hours, we trained with that weapon. Mm -hmm. And after 14 days, you take a weapons qualification test. Yes. And not everybody passes mm. because it's really hard. Mm. And that weapon is so deadly. Yeah. It is so deadly because that machine is made to make mass casualties. That's right. Because when you go to war, you're looking to kill. Yeah. And that magazine takes 30 rounds. Mm. And so even after 14 days, not everybody passes. Mm. They don't just pass you. Mm -hmm. And so if you don't pass, they'll give you two more weeks to try again. And after that, they send you home oh. because we value soldiers' lives so much so that you are dangerous to the other soldiers around you. Mm -hmm. And the mission needs to be completed. So our number one value is soldiers' lives. Mm -hmm. It is reckless to have somebody around who could accidentally kill somebody else with that weapon. Mm -hmm. So the number one thing is that we we respect that gun mm. because it is made to kill. Mm. And number two, we value keeping soldiers alive. Mm. And so there is no opinion, there is no narrative other than sure. we value lives and we, and we respect the purpose and the function of that mm. mass killing machine called an M16. Mm. And so that is what the military mm. trains. And, and every single year, after you get your weapons qualifications, you have to go through that process again. Every year. Every single year. Mm. And there's no participation prize because you are unsafe to be around other soldiers if every single year you can't pass that test again. And so we respect the deadliness mm. of that weapon and we value the lives of soldiers so much so that that's why we're so careful with those weapons. Mm. And so when we were in Iraq, we didn't see body counts like that. Mm. And so as a mom, when I see body counts on US soil, I see two things. I see 
that we are not respecting the function and the purpose of the AR-15 as a mass killing machine. Like that's what it's made to do. Mm -hmm. And I see that we are not valuing lives. We're not. That's right. So military style weapons are made for mass casualties and that is what we're seeing them do. And that's why we only have them in the military. And so the second story that I want to share with you is that when we were in Iraq, we would be on the road and traveling through different places. As a medic, I'm also trained on how to keep people alive on the battlefield, which is primarily gunshots. Yeah. And people don't survive from these weapons. So as a soldier who's trained with this M16 slash an AR-15, and then as a medic, knowing I have this medic bag on my back, how to keep people alive from these, it's not going to work to try to keep people alive from these weapons. And so having them on our streets, like, it's not going to work. They're not going to be survivors if you let the AR-15 be on our streets. And this is, this is borne out when you listen to ER doctors, and they're like, it's not going to work. And so one other story from when we were in Iraq, we go to chow halls to eat. And sometimes in Iraq, there were just different chow halls by different folks. And so one time when we got to this little camp, it was run by Czechoslovakians. Mm. And in American ones, you always, we wouldn't go into a chow hall. Our protocol was, it wasn't even safe enough to just have your weapon on safe because there's always accidental discharges. Certainly. Because wherever you put humans, yeah around guns, there's always accidents. Yep. Every year during hunting seasons, right. despite responsible gun owners, it's really sad. There's just always accidents because guns are just machines and people just have accidents. Mm -hmm. So whenever you would go in, you would have to always clear and shoot your gun into a, band, a, a sand barrel to prove that there was not a bullet in the chamber. Mm -hmm. So anyways, at the Czechoslovakian one, loose rules, they didn't have it. Mm -hmm. And so nobody in my platoon would go into that chow hall and eat wow. because it was, they valued their life more than going into a chow hall with a hundred other soldiers with weapons, yeah. with guns. Mm. It was reckless and careless. They valued their life first because they respected mm. guns. Mm -hmm. And so what I see in America is that we're just not value. We're not respecting guns. Mm -hmm. So nobody's afraid of guns. People are not afraid of guns. We're experts at it. We know them. We respect them. We know how to use them. But what I'm seeing that's missing the civilian conversation is that we're just being drawn into false narratives mm -hmm. that isn't putting first one, guns are made to kill. They're killing machines. That's right. They don't care what our opinions are. Mm -hmm. Opinions are not keeping anybody safe. That's right. Um, and then two, we're not putting first safety. Mm. So military style weapons belong in the military. And if you want to use them, great. Be part of a purpose. Use them for war and go get trained on them. Mm. And they're recruiting. There's a place for you. Let's, I want to stay here for a second because what you're saying is really important. We are looking at the same weapon in two entirely different contexts. One of the discussions around gun responsibility and regulation is that 
this is our, it's our right, right? Like it's our right as an American to bear arms and that this is an infringement on what we should have the right to do. That is the fundamental, you know, argument against regulation. And in your opinion, and this is your opinion, should any American, any, that's not on the battlefield, that's not a soldier, that does not have a purpose to use it, should anybody have need slash a right to a weapon of war, like an AR-15? As we look at, and of course, there's a, a whole robust conversation to have around um, protection. Certainly, I come from a family of hunters, so I am the daughter, the mom, the sister of hunters. My dad had a ranch. I mean, there's a place for it, of course. Is there a place in the American battery of rights to own an AR-15 and why? Why would someone need one? Why would someone deserve one? I totally believe that it is a-okay to own a gun. I come from a family of hunters, you know, a-okay, a gun, but a weapon of war. And I even believe that 30 rounds killing, I mean, that's a mass casualty. Do you need a weapon of war? No, you don't. Do you know that it is uh, a grenade is a weapon of war? It is illegal. No American can own a grenade. It is the National Firearms Act of 1934 outlawed a grenade. Why? Because it is a military weapon and it's called a device of destruction. And that's why you and me and our neighbor Joe can't own a grenade. And guess what? That's a good thing. Sure it is. Do you we, our <laughs> amount of grenade deaths is so low. It's isn't so it, low. Isn't it though, Jen? Yeah, the data suggests we hardly have any. And guess what? As, as a combat veteran who has trauma in my body from that, I don't want to see a weapon of war when I go to Taco Bell or Walmart, nor do I want my children to see that, nor do I want that in a kid's classroom. And right now, today, we're going to have to make a choice like we do in the military. What's our mission number one? What do we value most? Everybody have a gun, but a weapon of war? Mm. No. Yeah. Do we want America to become a battlefield? No. Have a gun. Guess how many? You can have a lot of guns. Own a lot of guns but one that can create a mass casualty in under 30 seconds? No. Go somewhere else if you want to do that. Yeah. But don't make Taco Bell your 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 place for a battlefield. You no, don't I agree. I, I, this to me feels, for me, this feels like common sense. Again, coming from a family of gun owners, and of course, all my sons have been through it all, all the gun safety classes, We've got, we do all the things. And I have plenty of friends who are like, zero guns ever, never, nowhere, no one. That perspective exists in the world. That's not even mine. But to me, it is catastrophically irresponsible to allow untrained and in most cases unlicensed weapons of war into the hands of ordinary citizens who there's no requirement to know how to handle something that deadly, correct, yeah. and in the civilian space. No, there has to be a purpose for this. And in the military, you are so well-regulated. They That's use right. bullet counts, they lock it up. Great they don't even, if you go on a military installation, everybody doesn't even walk around with their weapons. Why? Because accidents happen. And guess what? 
soldiers' lives matter so much that we're not going to put people in harm's way for no good reason. That's good. If I walk in, because I'm I'm a sharpshooting user, I know what guns do. If I walk into Taco Bell and I see Tom, Dick, or Harry having their AR-15 walking around, I'm like, oh, my life is important. My kids are. That guy, do you. I'm walking out. Of course. Why? Because I'm making an educated choice because I'm trained. And guess who didn't have to be trained? That's right. And we're going to have to start making a choice about where we want to go from here. And get we should be like TSA. Do you know that TSA is so, like, they know what's happened? Whenever I go to TSA, they're like, guess what? We have a new, there's something new that happened and we banned it. It can't be on our, tr- on our plane. And I'm like, I didn't even know this new technology came out. But now I know because I can't take it on the plane. Mm. They are so ahead of what's happened. I didn't mm. even know that, like, we have 5G, but now we can't have it on the plane. Mm-hmm. Like new mm-hmm. cell phones come out with new batteries mm-hmm. and they banned it before I even know. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we need to ban guns, not at all. Mm-hmm. But when a, a killing machine comes out that can create a mass casualty, yes. Yeah, agree. Why? Because the next school shooting is coming. That's right. And I think we can preemptively decide that when there's a problem, we are going to fix it because I believe all of us actually want to do that. We do. And we, we, we can do. keep all of our beliefs yeah. together and the people who want their guns can keep their guns. But we are going to take weapons of war off our streets because it's not really good for anybody. And that's not really the future we want. We don't want PTSD in our classrooms. Like we can have different beliefs and we can also work for the future that we want. I like this. Research is showing us that when the government began to require background checks for gun purchases starting in 1994, that that measure actually prevented more than 3 million gun sales to individuals who were not legally permitted to own a gun, whether because of a felony or because of their age or because of something in their mental health history. But as we know because of a, of a loophole in the federal system, federal law at this point only requires licensed gun dealers to run a background check on buyers, which they are. But 80% of all firearms that have been acquired and then used for criminal purposes for murders and killings came from unlicensed dealers, like some of my gun shows on the internet. This is also legal. They did not acquire these illegally. They acquired them through the side door so that there is no required background check. So this is what a lot of folks are saying. This is an important loophole. When when we look at 80% of guns used in mass killings coming from that side door. By the way, public sentiment around universal background checks is so high. It's above 80%. This is not partisan. Because again, we all care about our kids. None of us want to send our kids to fourth grade and have them in a mass shooting. Nobody wants that. Nobody wants a incredibly mentally unstable 18-year-old to be able to legally buy a weapon of war without a background check. And yet, of course, as we know, this is hung up in the Senate. In fact, let me just add this on, and then I'd like to hear your thoughts on it. The HR 8 bill, which I've talked about to my community, which includes universal background checks. It's passed the House, which is, this is so exciting. This thing has been trying to go through for so many years. It passed the House, and the Senate won't even bring it to the floor. 
It has no, almost no bipartisan support. So we have a little bit of movement here on something that American citizenship brigade has said, we want this leaders. We all want it. We all want it. Red state, blue state, Republican, Senator, Democratic, Senator, we want, we want all of y'all to do this for us. And they won't. Can you talk a little bit about your opinion around universal background checks? It's one thing. It's not the whole thing. It's not the whole thing. This is a comprehensive problem. We're requiring comprehensive solutions. This is one thing. And what we may be able to do as citizens to fire up a little heat underneath this really agreed upon initiative that we all get to see. Yeah, and it was really fun to be able to see people celebrating at the White House the other day mm. when it passed. Like see people who have been working for 10 years That's right. and 20 years and so many people who have lost family members and kids to gun violence. Yeah. You know, and it, and it isn't the whole thing, but we have to celebrate. I always tell people that when we wage peace, that's how that's yeah. when we show up and we commit, then we're going to get to celebrate. Yeah. And so there is, like, you can see it on people's faces. And so how we bring the heat, a lot of people are just showing up in their communities with mom's demand. That's right. And I think if you can get three people together and just know you're not alone, you don't have to hold all things in mm. common. In fact, I find it's even better when you're a little different, mm. but you're like, you know what? We are going to get together once a week or once a month and we're going to call all of the people in our state yeah. and then we're going to call all of our people across. And I've heard it makes a lot of movement when you call the people who you know are representing you, who differ from you, and mm. you just keep calling yeah. and you keep writing. And I actually heard they act like it doesn't really matter. It matters. Mm. Make a call night together because at least you know that when you keep committing and showing up and saying this matters to you, they're going to vote for us because at the end of the day, they work for us. That's right. Like they work for us, the people, and our kids are on the line. And just this year, guns are the number one killer of kids in America. And that demands action. Mm -hmm. And I'm committed to it. And so how we tell them that they need to pass this for us mm. is we keep writing and we keep calling and we can't do it alone. Like mm. we're going to get tired, but I think we just have to keep, get a small little ragtag group together that says, guess what kids? I'm not, I'm not going to send you back to school without saying that this group of neighbors and friends, we're going to call every week mm. and write to our local and our state and our national mm -hmm. because it's not negotiable. We're not going to let gun deaths be the number one killer of kids in America and then just keep going a la-di-da. Uh -huh. They work for us and they will lose their jobs if they don't do what we want. That's right. And if kids can't live past their 18th birthday in America, then we're failing them. And I'm, I'm not going to do that. Mm. And I don't think anybody's willing to do that. No, I... And background checks is a low bar. Low. 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 I mean... This Come on, lowest. to get a credit card, they do a background check, to spend some cash. Like, we got we got to do this. Yeah. And it will happen, and I'm not going to wait for our lifetime. I always be like, we can change this in our lifetime. Like, in my lifetime, Jen, kindergarten was optional. It was like a newfangled thing. Like, K, like, first grade, it starts with one because it actually was first grade. Yeah. Like, kindergarten was like, mm, it's not uh -huh. like needed. Yeah. And my kids don't even know. 
Mm. That didn't exist. When I tell them the things that didn't exist, they're like, you're kidding me, Mom. Mm. I'm like, no, but we worked for it. Yeah. So we will work for this. Yeah. We can. And you're right. There's precedence for it. I mean, we can look back over all the, like, grassroots movements that that moved the needle for that changed things. I mean, when I, I think about growing up, too, um, that's reminding me what a massive movement Mothers Against Drunk Driving turned out to be when I was a kid. I remember, and through their just kind of tireless advocacy, and this was just ordinary moms. I mean, it was, nobody was fancy. Nobody's a senator, you know, just regular right? people. But they're like community engagement and then they're just sort of commitment to persistence. Like you said, we're going to call, we're going to keep calling, we're going to write, we're going to keep writing. We're going to march, we're going to keep marching. Mm -hmm. The legislation that followed their advocacy is this long. It matters. Think about why we don't have ashtrays on the table when we go to restaurants anymore. Yeah. Why? Because we're like, your right to smoke does not trump my right to not have health problems. That's right. My grandma is still suspicious of seatbelts in cars because we didn't use <laughs> so seatbelts. So right. Like, That's in change, our lifetime. change happens, and this one is going to happen today. Yeah, I think it's going to happen too. And we see the boulders moving up the hill. And, and, and moving military-style weapons out, banning them, that's not banning guns. Right. That's just saying, oh, you know what? This is in the wrong sphere. And guess what? Go sign up over there, uh -huh. protect and defend. This is such low-hanging fruit because this is the weapon that's been used in all of the them. one. Like, this is not ambiguous. This no, is not isn't. like, well, it's 50-50, guys. Like, yes, it's, it is the one, and it just is misplaced. That's right. It goes over here, not here. That's right. It's not a hunting weapon. I know what hunting is. That's you right. need to reload. <laughs> it will demolish what yeah, you're going right. to eat. It has no place anywhere. It and really everybody else knows it. So go over here and use it over here. Yeah. And that will happen in our lifetime. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Because good people want good things. And the thing that people really admire about the military is that they will take action and they will do self-sacrifice. Mm. And I believe that the American people will choose kids. Mm. Mm. I hope that you're right. And there's so much consensus around this that I feel hopeful that eventually what I perceive as just a power grab from half of our legislators will not hold up forever. At some point, the will of the people has to matter. It has to trump. We can't forever have a system in which the constituency is saying one thing and our leadership will not work for us. So I think this has a shelf life. And having these kind of conversations in which we are in large agreement is good for us to say, hey, you and me want the exact same thing. We may vote differently on some of these other things. Like yeah. we may see these things a little bit differently, but it turns out we kind of don't want weapons of war in movie theaters and in churches and in our schools and at 4th of July parades. None of us want it. Zero of us want that. So this to me feels possible. I want to talk about, you just mentioned this, and I would just like to hear your thoughts from a soldier who you go through a battery of training, not just the mechanics of weaponry, and, but also the psychological impact of what it means to be on the battlefield, what it means possibly to take a life. 
what it means to be afraid for your own life. There's this, this component also that the military has access to to keep your minds also healthy and stable. So I'm thinking about parents right now, and our generation of parents are having a ubiquitous conversation with our kids right now about mass shootings in their schools. This is a conversation that didn't exist 20 years ago. And now our kids have active shooter drills. We can't even list. We'd sit here for the rest of the day if we had to list every school that had been subjected to a mass shooting. How do you suggest that we begin to talk to our kids about Uvalde, about Buffalo, about all of them, literally all of them? Uh, about walking into their school in safety, about going to a grocery store in safety, about being in their church in safety, because this is taking a toll on our kids. I mean, this is not neutral. This is not without effect. While we are advocating and championing change, what do we do in the meantime with our kids who are afraid? Amen. This is one of the greatest costs that, that fuels my activism for waging peace. Mm. Because peacemaking is about our power. Mm. Because violence takes from us, but peace is about using our power for change. That's good. And so when I came home from war, what I most wanted was to be truthful with my kids, but not for them to be scared about the harm in the world, but for them to know their power for change. I wanted them to know in their little bodies that yes, there were big, hard things in the world, but the power for them to be themselves in the world was what was greater than anything else. Mm. So when big things happen in the world, I think the simplest thing to do is to take a breath and tell yourself, love is greater than pain and your kids are made for love. My faith tradition, is that I believe that God is love and that God made my kids and he is going to protect my kids. So just take a breath and say, I'm going to talk to my kids about it. Don't bunny out because you don't want, they will hear about it and you don't want someone else to tell them. So when you tell your kids, just keep it short and sweet. If you need to set a timer for five minutes, do it. Mm. Don't belabor it. We, we try to like point. over-explain it because we no. think like we You're need right. to. Short and sweet. You're right. That's um, true actually. So... The three points to think through before you do it is who has been harmed, who did the harm, and then how can we as a family show up? Because the antidote to despair is action. And I believe that we God has like put us in to like remake the world, to unmake violence. And I think that that is the really healthy, resilient part of us, that on waging peace is that we commit small acts of courage to activate justice and instigate joy. And justice is what love looks like in public. So make sure that something that your family can do is something public. Like, it's great to like be together around that kitchen table and like, you know, pray for each other or talk about your feelings, but make sure that you get to do something in action. And then you gotta have joy. So. We do it super simple, but if your kids are older, one, just ask, have you already heard about it? If they're on social media, they might already heard and you might need to kind of debunk some misinformation. So keep that short and sweet. But then at the end of asking that, we always just put our hands on our chest. Mm -hmm. And none of this is mine. Like, there's nothing new under the sun. I'm not making any of this up. Mm -hmm. 
but we always just put our hands on our chest. So we take a big deep breath and we say, I've got breath in my lungs. I am made for good and I'm made to do good. Because the most powerful thing is that our kids know that they are part of doing good in the world. And that's something that will make them resilient to violence. If they know they're part of putting things back together, then they aren't gonna feel victimized. And that's something I never wanted my kids to feel, is I didn't want them to feel small and victimized in this big, scary world. I wanted them to know that exactly who they were, they're part of a community. And I remember when I brought my kids to the Pulse nightclub shooting, which at that time, that was the largest act of violence against the LGBT community in history, and it was the second largest act of terrorism since 9-11 on US soil. It has since been surpassed. But they were in elementary school, and we had gone to the vigil, And we had committed to Wage of Peace and showing up every time something happened and the community asked us to come. But I was kind of like doing the mom guilt of like, oh gosh, you know, like, was this too much? Mm. And so I checked in with my sons in the back seat and I was like, hey, hey guys, you know, how you doing? Mm. And I remember his little voice came back. He's like, I'm okay. I'm like, are you really okay? And he's like, yeah, he's like, because I know if anything bad happens to me, then everybody's going to show up and light the candles for me, Mom. Mm. So, like, that's when I knew that when we bring our kids mm. to mourn, they're also finding out that the community is going to show up for them. Mm. So don't be afraid to tell your kids about the harm in the world because we are gonna educate our ways, our way out of this. Mm-hmm. Being silent and protecting them is not it. That's right. And then give them something to do. So write that card, show up at that vigil because they are gonna see everybody else doing good. Mm-hmm. And our kids, I truly believe exactly who they are, they're needed in our communities. So we empower them. Yeah. We show them how they are made to be part of the solution. Mm-hmm. And that's what's going to keep them safe. And yes, they're going to go to school and they're going to be active shooter drills. And the biggest thing to do is just to talk to them. But, you know, this whole thing about like, whatever we believe, our kids are going to be affected Mm -hmm. by this stuff. That's right. So whether you're like, guns in the classroom are going to keep my kids safe or less guns are going to do it. Like, it doesn't matter what we believe. Guns are killing machines and we will not escape this there will be more school shootings. So what we can do today, um, the Waging Peace Project that I have, Mm -hmm. I wanna get in the classroom and connect with kids because if they can start to give a voice, have a voice to their pain and just speak it, I think all these kids, the ones who are angry, the ones Mm -hmm. who are mad, if we can give them a voice, they're less likely to commit an act of violence. Mm -hmm. Like all of our kids need something and these active shooter drills, I hope they work. I hope every kid feels safe, but the psychological damage to them, That's right. like we can pass laws that will hopefully make it harder to kill our kids, but it cannot make our kids love each other. Mm-hmm. But I do think that if we start to get preemptive about it 
that if we can help kids name their pain, they can say whatever they want, but if they get to get heard, we know that if kids feel like they are heard, and even if they are said, hey, why don't you do that? Why don't you do that? You're special. Our community needs you. If we can enfold them, then they're less likely to feel like nobody cares, mm -hmm. or they have a point to prove, mm -hmm. or take violence out on their peers. Mm -hmm. And so we gotta get after them. We have to start to pursue those kids mm -hmm. who are already angry, already feeling isolated, feel like their community doesn't hear them. Mm -hmm. And I think if we start to do these, get in the schools, mm -hmm. we can catch them mm -hmm. and fold them before mm -hmm. they feel like they've got nowhere else to go. Because nobody goes to school with a gun thinking they're going to walk out alive. They've already given up despair. I want to love them. I think we're in a crisis of that. Mm -hmm. And violence is just the white flag. Mm -hmm. And they're all our kids. Yeah, I think this is why this conversation is super layered. There isn't a singular solution here. It's multifaceted. And so some of this is going to be legislative. Some of it is going to be community engagement. Some of it is going to be school intervention. It all matters. It all counts. Together, it can really snowball into meaningful change to keep our country safer, to begin the just absolute hemorrhage of gun violence here. I mean, this is a gun problem. Every single country and community in the world has loneliness. They have mental health crises. They have isolated kids and young adults. They have, we're not uniquely mentally unstable. We're not uniquely violent. Like every single country has people who are prone to violence. What we have is a accessible gun problem, particularly with weapons of war. So some of it's gonna be legislative. And then some of these other layers that you're mentioning, we, we care about that too. We care about these kids too, the ones who are tortured and angry and, and they're falling through the cracks. Like we don't ignore that and only focus here. We focus on it all. That's my sense of the solution. But the number one thing you can do in the meantime, when you look at what weapon has been used in Uvalde, Buffalo, I mean, oh. when, when you see one culprit, yeah. it is absolutely a no brainer. Yeah to like, you don't give someone the leash that keeps doing the same old thing. It's like, oh, well, that's simple. Yeah. You just take that one out. Let's, let's start there. Like, let's just do that one because uh -huh. guess what? Yeah. Like as a combat medic, the triage is, it's the ABCs, airway, breathing, circulation. If someone doesn't have an airway, it doesn't matter what else you do. They're not breathing. That's right. So it doesn't matter. That's right. We need to keep somebody alive and that means you gotta take that AR-15 away. I, I think that's the first place. And for the friends who are like, but I really wanna use that, it's like, great, go in the military and serve your country. They will hook you up. And then by the time you are done, because it's a minimum of a three-year enlistment, you will be 21. And guess what? That's a way better age. Mm. You will have grown, you will have Lots more training, and the the adult brain isn't fully mature until age 25, so they have lots more years on you, yeah. which is a positive thing. It is. I mean, the amount of 18-year-olds on the list 
linked with the AR-15 is high. Yeah, it's high. And, and, and so, the time, if, if anything else, it buys a little time. It does mm -hmm. for growth. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you one more question before we land it here. And by the way, for everybody listening, we'll have all of this available to you. Links, Diana was talking earlier about calling and keep calling, writing and keep writing. That is easy. You don't have to figure that out. That is done for you. There are so many great apps now, like Call 5. It's so easy. Click, click. Here's your, put in your zip code. Oh, got you, got your representatives, got your senators. Here's a script you can both either say or send. If this is not hard. Some people will hear, I don't know how to call my senator. Don't worry about it. You don't have to figure this out. This is, a, it is plug and play. Now it is easy, easy to be an engaged citizen. Thank you, internet. That's where I got my scripts. When I call my senators, I use a script that I found on the internet. So we'll have all that for you. Here's my last thing I want to talk about. I've spent a fair amount of time saying that we have some high unanimity around a lot of these ideas. At the same time, around certain either elements of it or even perceptions of one idea, we're pretty polarized. There are two opinions in America around some of this. And this is very predictable. In my world, I use my leadership a fair amount to discuss gun responsibility and change. And the reaction is very predictable every time every time there's not a lot of middle ground in some places along the spectrum here on this conversation we're polarized and it's a hard conversation it creates immediate defensiveness and tension conflict so can we talk for a minute about how we can respectfully have this conversation with because for most people we're not legislators this is like with our cousin it's with our dad. It's with our neighbor. Like, it's, in, it's down here in our real worlds where this is felt. So how do we have this conversation with respect, with mutual concern for one another? So it's not just dead in the water, right? Like, that's not helpful. It's not helpful to just go off into our corners, try to win the argument. It just, that's not creating connection. So how do we make sure we stay not just engaged in this conversation, but also that it is going somewhere, that it is useful, that we are finding ways to connect around it. I think that's really important too, because we have to move forward. Yeah. Lives are on the line. Yeah. And so one way that we can continue to just stay together is if you can say, this is this is one thing that, that I just did yesterday. I was mm -hmm. talking to somebody and you know, one, Especially if they're like pretty, pretty adamant, mm -hmm. you know, you always know that person who it's like, Ooh, you know what I mean? Like they are not going to listen. So you're going to have to do most of the labor here. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So you can always like listen to them first mm -hmm. and you know, they're going to want to talk about mm -hmm. it. So make sure you listen to them. But secondly, my little phrase that I like to do is like, man, if you had a magic wand, you know, if you just had that, whoa. And, and, and you could have anything you wanted in this. What would it look like? Mm. So then they can, like, mm. give their, like, magic wand idea. Their vision for it. You know, mm -hmm. and they'd be like, well. So basically, they're king for the day. Mm. And then you can say, well, you know what? This is what, if I could have it totally my way, you know, if I had a magic wand, this is what I would look like. Because that totally frees you up mm. 
to like each have what you would have. And so maybe some people, you know, so you each have, and there could be overlap there. Maybe totally not. And then the next step is, well, you know, since we're each not like president, we're not going to get to have that. So what if you have your say and I say my say, we're not going to get that. But what if we could each hold these things and, you know, you have your thing and I have my thing, but what do we want together? And most people can figure out what's one thing we do want together. So neither one has to change, you know, so a lot of those folks are like, well, I want to make sure that I can never have a single, you know, like guarantee me till the day I die that there'll be not a single restriction on gun anything. Mm -hmm. And well, you know, what do I want? Well, I want to make sure that like, there's no Mm AR-15s on the thing or whatever. So if you can let somebody feel fully heard Mm -hmm. and you can feel fully heard, but then say, well, you can be you and I can be me, but like, what could we want to work on together? Mm -hmm. You basically, because at least then you can find something that you both care about. Mm -hmm. Because if we both just decide that we're not worth talking to, then we're not working towards something. And now is the time that we have to work on something together mm-hmm. because people are dying. Yeah. Like never before have gun deaths been the number one killer of our kids. And if we aren't mm-hmm. going to care about that, mm-hmm. that says something about yeah, us. Who's supposed to care about our kids but us? Like, we have to work together. And I think that if you're willing to listen to somebody, Mm -hmm. that gives you credibility. And if you're not willing to listen to somebody, then you can't expect them to listen to you. That's right. And I think the more that I kind of have adopted this little mantra, this little phrase that says, fierce kindness and unshakable goodness. So I'm going to show someone fierce kindness Mm -hmm. by listening to them. And I'm going to believe there's some unshakable goodness in there. Mm -hmm. Because if we don't start to believe that we are more than just our beliefs, then we aren't going to move forward. Mm -hmm. And I believed a lot of things in my life. Mm -hmm. And I am not a good person or a bad person. You know, I wasn't a bad person then, not a good person now. Mm -hmm. I'm just being invited to different things and I'm making different choices. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to choose to believe in the unshakable goodness of another person, that they're more than their bumper stickers. They're more than their beliefs because that's how we're going to move forward. Mm. And if I can bring that to a conversation, then I know that there's some overlap that we both care about our kids. So how can we find some overlap together? There's not a person alive that I don't believe cares about our kids in this gun thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to throw this out there too. I don't believe there's a person alive that isn't pro-life and pro-choice. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't have a choice about your life, mm-hmm. it isn't really your life. Mm-hmm. Everybody cares about life yeah. and everybody cares about choice. Yeah. So we can't, we can't take away that from anybody. Mm-hmm. Everybody cares about our kids and everybody wants to end school shootings. So we just have to believe that about somebody else and stay in past yeah. the taglines. That's right. Because when you hear these little taglines, yeah. your ears burn and you want to shut down yeah. and put them in a box and pump them down the street. Yeah. And I'm sure they want to do that to me too. Uh-huh. So we just have to like hold on to each other's humanity. Yeah, that's good. Get past it. And be as 
kind to them as we are with our dogs. That's good. Yeah. And there's a possibility just on the other side of that hump. Right. If we can hang in, if we can hang in and take deep cleansing breaths, not get triggered. (laughs) And also I can revert. I can absolutely drop down and revert to my talking points. I can. My phrases, my quick jabs, I have them too. And so if we can hang in, I have found that asking people on the opposite side of really any issue that's important, it extends the dialogue to say things like, tell me like what your experience around this has been. Like, what was this like for you when you were a kid? Like, what did your dad and mom have? Or what did you hear? What was your environment? What town did you grow up in? To say things like, when you think about this, what about this scares you? What, where, where is your fear located? And there's, there's answers. There's answers. People have real things under their thing. But if I can listen, if I can force my ears, I have to do this really intentionally or I'll mess it up. But if I can force myself to listen genuinely as a listener, not as a rebuttal person, because normally my brain is reloading. You know, while someone's talking, I'm filing it over here for how I'm going to rebut it here as soon as they take a breath. And I'm basically just building an argument while they're talking, a counter argument. And that's not useful. And so if I can force myself to just go, why don't you just listen? Just listen. You'll have your minute. But like, why don't you just listen and see what you can discover? See where you can connect with this person as a person. And there's generally something surprisingly easy to connect to. There's a priest called Father Gregory Boyle. Love him. There's no reason why in the world, but he endorsed my book out of nowhere. Like I emailed him and he's He's like, sure, D. Love Jay. And I was like, uh-huh. that feels right. <laughs> it's like ridiculous, yeah. right? But he works with former gang yeah. gang folks in LA. Anyways, he said this thing where he's younger, he used to like shake his fist at people yeah. and be like, why don't you care? Yeah. You know, he's like, but now I just appeal to their higher goodness. And he's like real old now. And, uh-huh. you know, and I just, I just kind of like hear his yeah. voice in there and he's funny. And like, mm. I'm funny. So mm-hmm. I just kind of get his funny, you know, I just like have held on to that. Mm. Where I'm like, you know what? Like first pass Diana wants to be like, come on. Mm-hmm. But second pass Diana, I'm like, Father G would be like, just whatever they're saying, mm-hmm. just like take like not who they are right today, but like they're like 3.0 version and be like, don't you want to care about folks? Mm-hmm. You do, don't you? Mm-hmm. So, like, I just hold that to be like, yeah. yeah, their version today only cares about X, but, like, three steps older, I bet they do actually want to wage peace. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because there were people who wanted better for me when I didn't care at all mm-hmm. when I was 18. Mm-hmm. And now I care about way more, but somebody had to believe in Diana. Mm-hmm. and offer goodness for her when mm-hmm. I didn't care at all. Mm-hmm. So, like, I try to, like, just be like, yeah. there's a higher goodness, and why not just appeal to that That's right. than just level, going, yeah. going at it? Because yeah, I hope people would do that for me. Absolutely. And I think a good question to ask ourselves in any of these complicated discussions is just, do we just want to be right? Or... Would we like to see healing? 
and change right? and growth. Which one do we want? We can pick one or the other. Right? I, I always ask people, I'm like, what do you what do you want five years from now? Yeah. Because like, what do you got now? Nobody is happy with. But like, what do we want to build? Yeah. Because our kids deserve a world that is worthy of them. Yeah. Okay? Absolutely. Like, I want to be a good ancestor instead of just a bystander here. Mm-hmm. So like, we're going to have to get receipts. And no matter what, I'm going to be able to look my kids in the eye and yeah. say that, like, I worked. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know if I'll ever be successful, but I'm going to tell them that I went to the mat for this. Mm-hmm. I tried. So that's what we're going to look for. Like, I'm like, today, hot mess. We're hurt. We're sad. We're weary. Mm-hmm. We don't know what to do, but we can look ahead and say, what's the world that's worthy of our kids? Because they're beautiful mm-hmm. and they're worth it more than these stupid active shooter girls. Right. And we're going to do better. We're not going to be like, well, this is what it is. Right. Like, that's I'm not right. okay with this. Right. And nobody is. That's right. Like, let's do better. And I think they're going to, they're they're the motivation for us. And, and we're going to get there, even if we're not totally sure. Mm-hmm. We'll work for this because we... We're worth it. Like, we can do it if we want to work for it, or we can just have the same conversation. But I think we're going to get there. I do, too. That's great. That's the perfect ending. On that note, can you just remind my listeners where you are, how to find you, what your work is? I I told them at the top of the show, but if you'll just, like, reiterate that for everybody to find kind of where you're where to follow you and what it is that you're up to in the world what i have coming up next is i have a book for people who really are kind of you said in this parenting thing so the book that is up next is called power to the peaceful parenting through polarization kids to change the world by showing up for their neighbors because i think like now is the time and we are the people and i really think as like parents we want our kids to be equipped and empowered to really show up just who they are like i think our kids they're it oh yeah they are they're it like they're it like we may have kind of dropped the ball a little bit but like we can see that our kids our kids are it and we just like put our hands in their back and say like yes we're for you and we're with you Uh and like this new landscape it's gonna happen yeah yeah yeah. on their watch things are gonna look different like it's going to happen, and we're with you. Mm-hmm. And this whole village of folks of, like, working for this, they're it. Mm-hmm. And so on Instagram, I'm Diana Ostrike, but I'm doing this Waging Peace project, so we're doing, we're doing workshops just across the country. And what I'm hearing and seeing is just encouraging and fascinating That's and right. exciting. So go to my website and mm-hmm. sign up for my email list because I am sending out what I'm doing and then just uh, three hopeful things on how do, how do you practically uh, address what's going on, whatever it is, because mm-hmm. unfortunately, there's always something. and fortunately, mm-hmm. because there's an action step. Yeah. And I've got two middle schoolers, and it is a wild and exciting time. Mm-hmm. And then the Waging Peace Project, yeah. because man, I think we're kind of born into waging these culture wars, these political wars, these religious wars, and actual violence, but I also think the opportunity is endless. Yeah. And our kids, amazing. Mm -hmm. I will have all of this for you. All of it. So if you're like, I can't write it down fast enough, I'll have it in all the show notes. Every link, every everything, so that you can follow Diana on Instagram and also sign up for her email 
newsletter, which is great. And it's um, once a month. It's perfect. Thank you for everything you had to say today, for engaging not just my community here, obviously, but like the world with peace and action. This is it. So that's those are the things that have always changed the world forever. Regular folks, peaceful action. That's it. That's the impetus. And so you're not powerless in our time, in our generation, in this moment, in this in this crisis. We are not. And it is encouraging. It puts gas in the tank to have this conversation in a way that we can see forward progress and see next steps and see even like common engagement. We can reach out to each other, grab each other's hand and move forward together. Mm-hmm. It's, it's encouraging and it's hopeful and it's possible. So thanks for coming all the way to Grand Marais. Thank you for letting me see it, your nest. I'm just delighted to see you. Thanks for being, I have such a tiny handful of repeat guests on the show and you're in that crew now. You're in the, the repeaters. Anyway, okay, that's it. Thank thanks, you so sis. much. All right, premium listeners, that was a good one. As always, I will gather all this up for you. So we will make sure that you have access to the show notes and all the links and Diana's books and socials. You guys, let's get her to that 10,000 mark, both on social following and in her email subscriber list. So we'll have those links for you too. So you can put yourself under her very good leadership. She is trustworthy and good and smart. And I love having her in our community. So thanks for being here, premium crew. We are building out a whole series like this for you of kind of important, big conversations in the American landscape right now. This is a wonderful place where we can parse it out a little further and spend extra time on what we feel like matters right now. And we want to make sure that you have the absolute best premium content that we can bring you and we're committed to it. So thanks for being here, you guys until our next bonus episode. See you then. Mm -hmm.